Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. Welcome back to this episode of BFR Radio. Hope you're doing well and enjoying this upper body series. Just a friendly reminder about my Sports Rehab Tourniquet BFR cuffs is that I've got new valves. I've actually had them for a few months now and everyone's loving them. And look, the concept's pretty simple. There's two valves which connect together and they help inflate the cuff. It's a little bit nicer. The connections are a lot firmer. Everyone that is using the new valves on the cuffs are loving it. So if you have the older style connection, which was a simple tube into a twist valve, you can actually upgrade your cuffs. All you have to do is head to my website, which is sportsrehab.com. I've got a little video with it as well, uh, which it's really simple and quick to change them over. And I guarantee you'll love the new upgrade. On to this episode, this is the third article review in the upper body series. Today, we move away from the muscular benefits of BFR and look at the benefits with respect to bone fractures. Episode 7 of BFR Radio actually reviewed an article that looked at the role of BFR and the rationale for improving bone reformation. In animal studies, the use of BFR has been shown to improve fracture healing time. And there's actually a few human case studies as well. So see episode 10 if you're a little bit more interested in this concept. Getting straight into the article, it's called Blood Flow Restriction Therapy After Closed Treatment of Distal Radius Fractures, and it appeared in the Journal of Wrist Surgery in 2019. Firstly, we look at distal radius fractures. These are actually a common injury that appears to be increasing in incidence. In a 2013 study, the authors noted that distal radius fractures accounted for one-sixth of all emergency room visits. Distal radius fractures can result in significant disability in patients including long-term pain, loss of motion due to prolonged immobilization, and difficulty with daily activities. In fact, 15% of patients sustaining a distal radius fracture will have long-term pain and disability at 20 years follow-up. Patients who may be at risk of poor outcomes and prolonged disability are unable to be identified on the basis of routine indicators such as demographics, fracture type, or type of injury. Therefore, a rehabilitation program to optimize outcomes early during treatment is critical as the greatest degree of recovery occurs within the first three to six months. However, there are many barriers to achieving success with a rehabilitation program after sustaining a distal radius fracture. Improving range of movement and strength early in the post-fracture period is limited by weight-bearing restrictions and a risk of fracture displacement, making the guidelines that we typically would use difficult to follow in the early post-operative period. BFR therapy therefore has emerged as a promising addition to rehabilitation programs after surgery and injury as they could be used in patients limited by post-operative and post-injury restrictions. Therefore, the purpose of this pilot study was to compare patient and radiographic outcomes after BFR therapy to a more traditional rehabilitation protocol after closed management of displaced distal radius fractures. This was a randomized controlled study and was conducted comparing a standardized hand therapy rehabilitation protocol alone, which is a non-BFR group, all combined with BFR therapy. This was called the BFR group. In patients who were initially treated with closed reduction and short arm cast immobilization 
for a displaced distal radius fracture. In this study, all patients underwent closed reduction under hematoma block and fiberglass cast application in the emergency department. Radiographs of the distal radius were obtained weeks 1, 2, 3, and 6 to identify the presence of ongoing fracture displacement. At week 6, the casts were removed and patients were traditioned into a wrist splint with non-weight-bearing restrictions to the injured extremity. For more detail on the standardized rehabilitation program, please refer to the article. However, just really quickly, the program included four sets of each exercise, which were performed with 30 repetitions in the initial set, followed by 15 reps in each set thereafter, or in other words, using the 75-rep protocol. 30 seconds of rest time was given between each set with one-minute interlude between completions of each exercise, and two to three therapy sessions per week were performed for a total of eight weeks. The first exercise was a passive assistive range of movement for the wrist, forearm, and hand, and this was assessed by a plastic gyneometer, and then they performed wrist flexion extension over a foam wedge. Second exercise was a forearm pronation supination with arm at side and elbow at 90 degrees. The third exercise was pinch strength, which was assessed by a pinch gauge, where they had a three-point pinch exerting force between the thumb and the index and the long fingers. And the fifth exercise was grip strength, which was assessed by a hand dynamometer. The cuff was inflated at 50% of the maximal limb occlusion pressure, and the tourniquet remained inflated through the completion of the strengthening exercises and rest periods with a maximal tourniquet inflation time of 30 minutes. Clinical assessment was conducted at 6, 10 and 14 weeks from the date of the initial close reduction for a total of 8 weeks in the occupational therapy program. Outcome measures included wrist range of movement, flexion, extension, pronation, supination, grip strength, pinch strength and also pain with activity and at rest based on the visual analog scale. This was a patient-rated wrist evaluation score and disabilities of the arm, shoulder, and hand, which is a DASH score. 13 patients in total were enrolled, where 6 patients were randomized to the BFR groups and 7 patients into the non-BFR group. Also to note here that all patients of the BFR group were able to perform the BFR treatment sessions without early termination from pain or discomfort. Just in summary, we have two groups doing exactly the same program but one's just using the addition of BFR. And that's what I really love about BFR is that there's really no magic in the exercise selection, but rather the effects created from the BFR cuff. With respect to the results, there was no significant difference in pain with activity between groups at each time point. However, when comparing the magnitude of change over the course of the eight-week therapy protocol, the BFR group demonstrated a statistically significant greater reduction in pain over the eight-week therapy program when compared to the control group. Similarly, patients in the BFR group had a significant reduction in patient-rated risk evaluation scores compared to the non-BFR group over the course of the eight-weeks rehab program. Despite improvements in wrist and forearm range of movement throughout the course of the study, there were no statistically significant differences between the groups at any time point or in magnitude of change throughout the eight weeks of the program. Similarly, both groups demonstrated improvements in their DASH scores, grip strength, three-point pinch, and lateral pinch during the length of the study. There was also no statistically significant difference at final follow-up or over the course of the therapy between both groups with regard to these variables. There were no complications, and all patients returned to their previous occupations at the same level of pre-injury function. 
All fractures were noted to have bridging trabecular bone across the fracture site at three months after initial cast immobilization. Additionally, there was no significant changes in radiographic parameters in the BFR group between six weeks radiographs prior to initiate of the BFR and following radiographs. Overall, with the introduction of BFR, a statistically significant difference was noted in the magnitude of reduction in pain scores during activity over the course of the eight-week therapy program compared to the non-BFR cohort. And I have spoken this a fair bit with respect to BFR use, and that's the ability to decrease pain in joints and also tendons. It's postulated that if maximal functional improvement can be attained between three months to one year after sustaining a distal radial fracture, then it may lead to less long-term disability. Both groups illustrated improvements in the DASH scores, range of movement, grip strength, three-point, and the lateral pinch. However, at final therapy follow-up, no significant benefits were noted in patients with or without BFR in terms of these variables. Although not in the discussion, it would have actually been interesting if the authors ask if they continue to do their rehab program after their eight-week training program. Because typically, most people, once they finish their rehab program, they just get on with normal life and they don't remember to keep doing it. And there's some form of ongoing benefit with not only just regular strength training, but with the continuation of some form of strengthening associated with quite a major injury. So that would have been really interesting to tease that out from those subjects. However, overall, it does appear to be safe to use BFR in fracture rehabilitation as all patients were able to tolerate the BFR therapy sessions without complications. In addition, there were no statistically significant differences in radiographic parameters between the BFR and the control groups between the six weeks radiographs prior to the initiation of BFR and the radiographic parameters at terminal follow-up and I have always spoken about the potential for BFR and improved bone reformation. Did it show an enhancement in the healing process? It didn't, but I think rather what we see here was the addition of the BFR to the rehab protocol may result in a quicker reduction in pain with activity and improvement in overall function more quickly, which may translate to less long-term disability. And going one step further with that, and this is purely conceptual and my own opinion of course is that the markers associated with improved bone reformation with BFR what would have happened if they would have been doing contralateral strength training whilst their hand was in the cast would have that improved any type of healing not quite sure but I think conceptually that this could actually be a much better way to practically apply BFR so what would happen is while you've been told to do nothing whilst your hand is in the cast, on your other arm, you've got the BFR cuff on the upper body. You might need someone to help put it on, of course, and you do your upper body exercises. And look, also what you could be doing is because your hand's in the cast, is you could actually still have the BFR cuff on that same arm and actually doing curls, lateral raises, and it could be just body weight or using manual resistance or a light band of some sort somehow attached to part of the cast or the forearm. In closing, for me, do I incorporate BFR for clients with fractures? Well, I do. Does it accelerate healing time or improve outcomes? I think this is actually hard to ascertain individually, but as a starting point and as this article reports, it had no adverse side effects and perhaps the major point was the improvement in the pain. And as I've mentioned recently, a lot about the benefits of attenuating pain using BFR, 
I've found amazing results across a range of different joints and tendinopathies by just using BFR, using exercises that target the areas of focus. And this article showed the same results. From a practical viewpoint, incorporating low-load BFR now means that you can do in a more effective rehab program at home with minimal equipment. And that's where I'm leaving today's episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you know of someone who would benefit from this episode, please share it. Alternatively, if you're going through this same rehab and interested in purchasing your own set of BFR cuffs, please visit my website, which is sportsrehab.com.au. And also, as I mentioned, there's some other things that I feel that you could be doing to improve the more holistic function of yourself. So I spoke about contralateral strength training and also spoke about how you could be doing other exercises on the same arm, although it's not wrist exercises, it's going to actually help improve your overall function once you get out of your wrist splint. So if you are interested, I can actually help you with your training. So contact me via my website or DM me through my socials on Instagram or Twitter, which is at Chris Gavilio. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a rating in iTunes. And also, once again, do you enjoy the 60-second snippets? If so, make sure you let me know. Give it a comment. Give it a thumbs up. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep the pump.